Welcome to Manage to Engage, the podcast from clearandopen.com, dedicated to the evolution of you because businesses grow when people do. Serving leaders, managers, and people who will be, helping you reach excellence in your work and achieve your personal goals at the same time. Sign up for the free course at clearandopen.com. The breath is a really powerful and often used feature technique in meditation because it's one of the very few things that can be completely in our control and also be completely not in our control. Hi, it's Joseph, and thanks for tuning in to Manage to Engage, the podcast from clearandopen.com. Over the last few weeks, we've gone through the basics of meditation. Now I want to shift into more specifically meditation for awakening and the true purpose of meditation. Meditation has never been more popular, but it's also been distorted into a utilitarian tool for productivity in its most accessible but least powerful forms. I liken the common meditation apps of the day to welding training wheels onto your bicycle. It's easier to start, definitely, but they'll slow you down. But don't worry, only forever. Meditation has the power to eliminate depression, anxiety, stress, drama, to increase energy, fulfillment, productivity, and radically transform your life for the better. But if you're pursuing meditation as a means to an end to any of those things, or as a way of achieving a specific state, you're probably going to be disappointed, if not downright stagnated and you're definitely going to miss out on the greatest benefits of meditation. This episode was originally recorded as part of the Meditation for Awakening course available at clearandopen.com. If you want to take your practice to the next level or begin a meditation practice and save a whole lot of time, head over to courses.clearandopen.com. Also, it's that time again. Clear and Open's spring quarter begins April 1st, 2021, with the next live course, The Psycho-Spiritual Dimensions of the Enneagram. You may have heard of the Enneagram, or maybe not, but the way most people relate to it is just as another personality typing system, but it's actually the mother or father of all personality typing systems. When you understand the model, you can literally see that every personality typing system we have, and there are so many these days, is simply derivative of this model, the Enneagram. Enneagram is so powerful that it changes the way you relate to yourself and others irrevocably. You will wonder how you ever lived without it. This is not an exaggeration, especially if you manage people. I often say you cannot effectively manage people. You simply cannot without knowing the Enneagram. I'm not exaggerating. This course will be a deep dive into the psycho-spiritual dimensions of the Enneagram, aspects not usually talked about, which have immense ramifications everywhere in your life. Not knowing the Enneagram is like not knowing your own gender, in my opinion, because it sheds that much light on who you are, what drives you, and how to be the best version of yourself. If you've been listening to me for a while, you know I don't hype stuff like this. This is Uh, That's not like me, but I'm really serious. It is, for me, for anyone who is on a consciousness or healing path, it is required. It is mandatory. You've got to learn this. It's the ABCs in some ways of the uh, psycho-spiritual development world. I use it constantly in my work with people. 
When you know it deeply, it's like having x-ray vision into yourself and others. In this 11-week course, for the first time, I'm going to try to, anyway, impart that ability to you. It's not going to be easy, but if you take the course seriously, you will have that x-ray vision. Sound interesting? To learn more, go to clearandopen.com slash Enneagram. That's E-N-N-E-A-G-R-A-M. Again, it's clearandopen.com slash Enneagram. E-N-N-E-A-G-R-A-M. I hope to see you there. Thanks so much for listening. Now let's start the show. Greetings, everybody. Hello, hello, hello. Nice to see some faces that couldn't make it last time. Also a couple new people. Welcome. (sighs) Take a breath. You were probably breathing anyway. So you might as well pay attention to it. And hey, why not? Let's take another breath. Of course, most of the time we don't realize we're breathing, right? So what happens when you, without any intention to change it? It's remarkable how it just happens like that, isn't it? Like it knows exactly what to do. And you're just letting your breath be exactly how it is. Now I'm going to ask a question. You're continuing to watch your breathing. I'm going to ask a question, and I want you to not try to answer it, but sense for an answer in your body. It's not a question to think about. You're still watching the breath. And so your body is going to sense into the answer. Who's breathing? And just let that question be. What happens when your body receives that question? That's an example of inquiry. We'll probably talk more about that later in the course. Inquiry is not about coming up with an answer. It's about sort of surrendering your experience to the question. Who's breathing? You bring a kind of wonder and curiosity to that. Who's breathing? Can you sense that? Is it you? Where's that? Is the you behind your eyes the one who's breathing? Remember that scene in The Matrix when Neo first fights Morpheus? And Morpheus says, because Neo is out of breath, and Morpheus says, you think that's air you're breathing? That's what this is. It's a a call to investigate the truth of the matter. Now the mind might say, well, it's my autonomic nervous system. It can do things like beat my heart without me intending that. But it's not your experience that your autonomic nervous system is causing you to breathe, is it? You don't actually have an experience of that as if you were looking at a 
animated graphic in a textbook that was your own brain. You don't actually experience that that's what's breathing you. So meditation is fundamentally about being totally faithful to the experience and only the experience without thinking, without needing to believe in anything, just the bare bones. There it is again, another breath. I wasn't even thinking about it. There it is again. How does that happen? The breath is a really powerful and often used feature technique in meditation because it's one of the very few things that can be completely in our control and also be completely not in our control. It commands you, yet it obeys you, Obi-Wan said about the force, right? It just happens. You can take it over and do things with it. You can hold your breath for minutes at a time. You can breathe really fast. But most of the time, it just does you. And yet we have this funny concept called I'm breathing, when 99.9% of the time, That isn't really true, is it? It's just a story. I'm breathing. What's truer is you're being breathed. And you can sense that. What happens when you're just with being breathed? What's that like? So that's our sort of, not quite a meditation, but a pointing out of things that I'll do in the beginning of many of these sessions to sort of get us oriented. I want to spend 10, maybe 15 minutes fielding any questions that have arisen. Then I want to talk about the spiritual instinct today. I don't know if we'll get to that because your questions may take us in some other place. But let's see. Any questions? About last time? About meditation? Um, I've gotten some questions from people that have been remarkably advanced, which got me very excited. Questions I wouldn't have expected until later in the course. Yeah, yeah. Um, although I don't fit into the advanced category at all, but um, <laughs> we'll see. Nor, nor do I. Nor, yeah. So, um, first thing as an observation was that if I covered my eyes, that I felt like it was much. I was much quieter, effectively. Yeah, and you know that's a, that's a great question. I'm glad you brought that up because we haven't talked about some of the, the sort of um, the mundane basics of meditation. You know, like. Uh, and that'd be a good thing to talk about. Um, and, and, and the second thing on, uh, that, that, that was just sort of how I felt about it. But, but like my mind is racing. Like when I'm, when I'm following my breath, when my mind starts on something, I'm finding like really interesting thoughts 
that are not at all on the meditation side, but like just interesting thoughts. So that was just, I don't know if that's a question or observation either. I know you well enough to, to believe how interesting those thoughts are. I, I, instead of watching television, uh, if I could, I would tune into just what was going on in your mind for entertainment in the evenings. So a couple of things I want to say about that. One is uh, I am a fan. There's different schools of thought. I'm a fan of closing my eyes uh, with meditation. You know, you'll hear usually either eyes closed or eyes half closed or looking nowhere in particular is another one. Uh, some people will prescribe if uh, you really want to make your ego a little squirrely, um, look, being like 18 inches from a white wall so that you can't really focus on anything. That can be kind of interesting. I find eyes closed works best for me. It's sort of like what's more distracting, the outside or your inside. You can experiment with different things. You know, what I would say about that is another context piece here. We're going to come at meditation from lots of different angles. And this, so this is going to be sort of a survey in one way. And you want to just find what works best for you. Um, some things will be really good. Some things won't. And um, you just experiment. So you, same, th- same thing with eyes closing. I do think it's important to not be lying down when you meditate because your ego will put you to sleep so fast. And if you're wanting to go to sleep, then meditating on your way to sleep is lovely. I do that pretty much every time. Um, But what will happen is the minute you get anywhere near, I don't care how much coffee you drank, the minute you get near uh, some uncomfortable territory, your ego is likely to put you to sleep. It's one of the most powerful ways it has to to avoid uh, the process. The other thing I want to say about busy mind. So I told you guys last time, it's not about stopping the mind. And if you had some yeah buts related to that, like, yeah, but my mind is going crazy. I can't concentrate on anything else. I know. So here's a metaphor. I'm, I'm a big fan of metaphors and I've been kind of self-conscious. I've, I think I use more metaphors in maybe the last session than I typically do in an entire course. And I wrote something yesterday that I'll post uh, today that uh, I was making metaphors about metaphors. I actually had to edit some of them out um, because trying to talk about what is can't be talked about just invites a lot of metaphor. So this is one of my favorites. So you know when you're driving in the rain and you have windshield wipers going on, they're going like this. Probably it doesn't happen to you very often that you take your eyes off the road and start following the windshield wipers. Maybe you do like if a leaf gets caught in it and for, you know, for a second you're looking at the leaf and you're like, oh my God, I better go back to looking at the road. It doesn't happen for very long, right? So you can do that. You can have a lot of activity in front of you and yet still be focused on the road. Well, what happens in meditation for people, especially in the beginning, is they're looking at the windshield wipers and they're thinking, well, I could focus on the road if these windshield wipers would just stop. And that's the mind. But they're not going to stop. That's the thing. And all of your frustration or consternation or motivation or other things that end in T-I-O-N, that about stopping the windshield wipers just takes more of your focus off the road. Your mind's not going to, well, that's the thing. It will stop, but not because you want it to. When you 
start focusing on the road, the windshield wipers are not a problem. And then to add a metaphor to a metaphor, it becomes like an excited dog that you stop paying attention to. It just will calm down on its own. But if you're trying to calm down an excited dog, you guys ever try to do that? Calm down, calm, it, does, it just makes it worse, right? Because <laughs> dog in the frame. You, you just, you're adding energy to the system and the dog gets more excited by the attention. In fact, the way to train a dog to, you know, if it gets overexcited when you come home, I talked to a dog trainer about this once. You can't get excited that it's excited. That's obviously adding energy to the system. And you can't try to calm it down. That adds energy to the system. You just pretend like it doesn't exist. That's how you calm a dog down. By not exciting it, but also not calming it down. So it is with the mind. So don't worry. The mind may be very, very, very busy, but if you just keep ignoring it and return to whatever the practice is, could be following your breath or following a guided meditation, whatever it is, just do your best to keep your eyes on the road. And eventually the, the dog will stop trying to get your attention. Thanks for listening to Manage to Engage, the clear and open podcast. Join us next week when you'll be a little bit closer to who you're destined to be. Until then, know that Clear and Open is dedicated to the evolution of you because businesses grow when people do. If you want to help the show grow, I'd appreciate you leaving a rating and review on iTunes. All you have to do is open the Apple Podcasts app, view the full description of the episode, and click the link to leave a rating and review. Or you can go to clearandopen.com slash review and it will bring you to the right place. If you're looking for more support on your journey, head over to clearandopen.com for even more tools, articles, and free resources. Thanks so much for listening. Bye for now.